Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 363 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I'm sorry I've been absent for a little while, but just a lot of ups and downs here at Essential Tennis, a lot of tigers that I feel like I have by the tail in terms of content and courses and students and all kinds of other things. So I'm sorry the podcast sometimes gets put on the back burner, but please know I've got five episodes queued up here that I'm planning to record and hopefully publish in a relatively timely fashion. So thank you for sticking with me. I appreciate having you as a listener. Today we're going to talk about a student that I've been working with combination of remotely and in person for over a decade now. His name is John. And if you've been following our content for a while, you, you probably actually know who he is. And I first saw John play over 10 years ago. He's one of my very first early followers and supporters. And in fact, one of the very first essential tennis clinics was done down in Texas where he lives. And recently, he made a big breakthrough on his serve. And I want to share with you today how that breakthrough happened, what he credits that breakthrough to, and then kind of give you some insight on what your mindset should be and what your perspective should be and expectations should be around changing an old habit, an old habit that is dying hard, (laughs) that doesn't want to let go, that doesn't want to be changed. And for John, that habit was waiter tray on his serve. If you're not familiar with that term, it just basically means taking the racket back to prepare for a service motion, hand is facing upwards, and the racket face is facing upwards instead of being on edge. And it severely limits range of motion, it severely limits potential for racket head speed, and therefore severely limits potential for power and for spin and for everything good on a serve. And so over the years, I've watched John work on this and try to change it. In fact, I remember that clinic down in Texas 10 years ago, doing video analysis there, sitting down with each of the students and looking at John's serve and breaking down that particular technique flaw way back then. And since then, he's signed up for dozens of online courses from Essential Tennis and he supports all kinds of other creators and, and coaches and experts in the, the tennis space online. So he's consumed a huge amount of content and coaching and, and expert advice. I know that he's done video analysis hundreds of times since that, that first time I remember working with him down in Texas. He's not, has never been, you know, bashful or shy about being on video. And I know that He's a big follower of the process that Essential Tennis and and other coaches condone, which is combination of shadow swings and progressions and fake tosses and all, all the different types of drills that I recommend. I know that he's done that. And he's he's even been a case study for, for different online lesson providers. You know, I've seen his before and after videos many times. And 
along the way and over the years, he has made improvements and he has moved in the right direction with his serve, but he's always kind of, at least a little bit, gone a little bit back towards some variation of the waiter tray until recently, until about a week ago, he made a big breakthrough on his serve. And yesterday, for the very first time, I looked at slow motion video of John, whom I've seen over the years dozens of times hitting a serve, and he had no waiter tray while hitting the ball. Not only did he not have waiter tray, but his the edge of his racket was completely leading up towards the point of contact. He held that edge until almost like professional level standards. I won't go into the details of what that position is, but held the racket on edge really long up towards contact. And his racket face, his strings were even inverted and facing down towards the courts as he started pulling his racket up, which is another thing that you very typically see from professional players, but almost never from amateur players. Long story short, his mechanics looked fantastic And it was while he was hitting a ball. I've never seen those positions from John over all the years, all the different videos I've seen from him. And so this was actually during a live academy coaching session, which I I do twice per week. And if you're listening and you're not an academy student, you should be because about two months ago, I dropped the price down to $9.95 per month for students. And you can actually check it out for free by going to EssentialTennisAcademy.com and you can get a free week of access and you can join those live sessions and you can ask me questions directly and I'll, I'll answer them and I can, I'll, I can even review video for you like I did for John. And so I was doing one of those live sessions. John had sent me a clip. I looked at it and I was like, wow, John, this is incredible. Uh, what was it that made the difference for you? And I waited for a couple seconds, and then in the chat, there's a live chat room. He answered, and he said, and this is a quote from the chat room. He said, no hits for a month and a half. So for six weeks, John exclusively did combination of shadow swing and fake tosses. He did not hit a ball with a service motion for six weeks. Now, John is as passionate as they come in terms of tennis players. He has a very full schedule. He does a lot of training. He takes lessons. He loves playing matches. And so for him to take off six weeks and not hit a serve while continuing to train, I know how big big of a sacrifice that was for John. That's one thing. But you have to also keep in mind how different and strange that approach would be. When a, Normally, when a tennis player goes to work on their serve, what do they do? They get a basket of balls, they head to the courts, and they hit as many serves as possible. The old you know, cliche of practice makes perfect typically very much applies to tennis players. There's a general belief that If you want to get better, you just have to hit a lot of shots. And if you don't put in that training, you don't put in those repetitions, then you're not going to improve. And yet John did the opposite. John hit no shots for six weeks. He hit no balls. But he continued to train. It just wasn't in the traditional sense. 
So why did this work? Why was he able to make this breakthrough? Well, he was able to make this breakthrough because he removed the biggest obstacle to making a change, and that is the ball. When the ball is there, we have in the back of our mind, we have a particular outcome that we always want to see. We want the ball to feel good on our rackets. We want it to move through the air with good pace and we want to see it curve and spin if that's the type of shot we are trying to hit. We want to see it land where we intended for it to land. All those things give satisfaction. There's like a a dopamine hit. Every time we hit a fantastic feeling shot that travels exactly the way we had in mind, lands exactly where we wanted it to land, that's a great feeling, right? And so that, in a nutshell, is what's hard about making improvements because players want to continue to receive that encouraging feeling. They want that, what's the uh, the word, that reinforcement that, yes, I'm doing it right. Yes, I'm getting better. Yes, this feels fantastic. John completely removed that from his serve experience for a month and a half. And I want you to know that a big takeaway here is that after 10 years of doing it the wrong way, or some variation of doing it the wrong way, he was still able to make a breakthrough. He was still able to, able to make the change. After trying and trying and trying, lots of different drills, lots of different approaches, what it really came down to was allowing himself the benefit of doing it the right way enough times that he could actually make the change. See, when you go back and forth between training, maybe for a couple of maybe on Monday and Wednesday, you go out and train, you hit a whole lot of serves. Maybe you even do shadow swings on Monday and Wednesday. But then on Friday, you play a match or you have a hitting session or maybe you spar with a, a partner. Now what? Now you really, you need the ball to go in the court. You need to be able to rely on the outcome. So what are you going to do? You're going to go back to old faithful, the way you're used to doing it. You're going to go back to the familiar way of moving your body and moving the racket so that you can have a reliable outcome. You can actually hit the ball over the court, uh, I'm sorry, over the net and into the court. And so you end up basically fighting against yourself. John, what, the reason why he was able to make this breakthrough is he removed that temptation to want to control the outcome. And so he didn't have to worry about going to his old habit for a solid six weeks. And by removing the ball, he removed his biggest obstacle to actually doing something different. And the last big point I want to make here is managing the level of challenge in your training is absolutely key to your development. The ball is a big obstacle. The ball is a big challenge, even if you're not having to run after the ball. But that's a, 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 that's a challenge element that you can include or remove as well. So is like how fast the ball is coming towards you, how much spin it has, how deep it is, how much time you have, how much time you have in between shots, how close you are to the net, how far away you are from the net. Those are all different variables that you can mix and match to engineer the level of challenge that you have on every single repetition. And the higher your level of challenge, when you're trying to develop something new, 
the more likely it is that you'll go back to the old thing. Because the more you panic, the more you're going to just snap back into that subconscious habit. And now you're reinforcing the thing that you're trying to get rid of. So John did something very uncommon and very challenging and also something that I'm really proud of him for doing because it's so unconventional and so different and, and so challenging for, for John to, to not go into his normal routine and do his normal, his normal schedule of playing and practicing and hitting serves. And so by removing that element and doing something totally different for six weeks, he was able to come away with a big breakthrough on his, the most important shot in the game of tennis. So, John, kudos to you. Tip of the hat to you. And I hope that this example was really instructive and inspiring. You can change. John, you know, is... Um, I'm not sure how old John is. I, I think he's around, I think he's around 50. He's been playing tennis for a long time. He, he had that waiter tray serve for a long time. He changed it. And if you're listening to me right now, you can make these changes too. It's just a matter of managing the process, managing the level of challenge and giving yourself a fighting chance to actually be able to make a solid step in the right direction. And sometimes that means completely removing the ball altogether. So hopefully this gave you something to think about. Hopefully it gave you some ideas on how maybe you can train differently. John, amazing work. Really proud of that incredible change in the right direction. And again, make sure you go check out Essential Tennis Academy at EssentialTennisAcademy.com. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.